Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Hallelujah. How's everyone doing? Did you have a good new year? Anyone, did anyone party? I just want to see a show of hands. Did anyone party on New Year's Eve? Like, you know, din, 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 dancing, all that stuff. Did anybody party? Well done. Anyone else? Oh, gee whiz. That's not very many. Did anybody have an early night on New Year's Eve? <laughs> That's not very many. So the middle road was most of us, I'm assuming, where we kind of just chilled out a bit. Is that true? Praise the Lord. I want to talk today about some myths about New Year. You know, New Year, if you are part of Facebook, your Facebook feed is full of tips and advice for New Year. Seven things you must do to get a New Year going or five ways to leave the past behind, or eight great ideas for your New Year's resolutions, whatever it is. The world just suddenly floods in with, with a whole lot of advice at New Year, and I want to look at that advice, and then we want to look at God's advice. Amen? He's the one who made us, the one who made the owner's manual. We pull out the owner's manual, and we say, Lord, what do you think about New Year? So that's what we're going to do today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have a plan for us for New Year. Lord, I thank you that the earth spins around the sun at a certain time once a year because you made it that way. I thank you, Lord, that it's not a man-made thing that there's a new year, but you made seasons. You made day and night. You made years. You made summer and winter. And so, God, we just want to pray for your guidance, and we thank you for it. We thank you that, Lord, you never let us go into a new season without giving us the tools and the blessing that we need for it. And so, Lord, we pray as we start this year that you would start us off in the right way. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So the first thing the world sometimes says is, hey, don't stress. Just, it's, ah, what is New Year? Just, it's just another day. It's just another click of a calendar. Just, just forget it. Just carry on as you were. Often this happens when we're over about the age of 40. We realize that most of our New Year's resolutions don't come to pass. And so we just think, oh, well, what's another year? It's like we try to forget birthdays. We try to forget New Year's. It's just, oh, well, we're just carrying on the way we're carrying on. I wonder if you feel like that or maybe you've heard that advice. I just want to say to you that God says His mercy is new every morning and that He puts seasons in place. There's 365 and a quarter days in a year because God did it. He makes us in such a way that we can start again, not just every year, but every morning and every month. And so I want to just get you out of that that funk that says, oh, it's, it's going to be the same as it's always been. The future's as bad as the past. No. New start. Amen? Amen. You happy with that? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe you're not so sure. The second thing the world says is party on. Party on. New Year. Let's just get drunk. Let's just party. Let's just ignore the problems. And let's just get into those weird party days where nothing matters. Just forget. Don't think too much. Don't be too introspective. Hey, man, just have a ball. The world will take care of itself. You don't have to worry. Just come along with the rest of us. You know, when you look at the pictures of the major cities of the world on New Year's Eve, there are thousands of people 
partying and looking at the fireworks and drinking and basically saying, hey, as long as we're having fun, the new year will take care of itself. And I just want to say that God is the inventor of fun. Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, I have come that they may have life, that you may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant means more than enough. There's only true joy and true life in doing things God's way. Amen? There's another verse that says there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. And so we can just party on and ignore it, but actually there comes a time where we stop and we sit and we think. For some people it's after a night of heavy partying, you wake up the next morning. I don't know about you, but I can remember the times when I was seeking the Lord. It was when I woke up in the morning that I suddenly realized the situation, the, the predicament that I was in. It's a bit like the prodigal son. He goes out and he parties and he loses all his money. Eventually he's feeding pigs and the Bible says, when he came to himself, and it almost implies when he woke up one day and thought, what on earth am I doing in this pigsty? There comes a time to stop and to think. And it doesn't have to be a negative thing. We can choose to stop and think today. So that's the next myth is party on. The third myth is make a better version of yourself. Be the best you that you can be. Turn over a new leaf. Join a gym. Do some press-ups. Eat more healthily. Sleep better. Whatever it is. And this is where most of the advice on the internet is found. Isn't that true? And it's basically saying, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, get a grip, get some self-control, try harder, you wimp, do it stronger. Has anyone... I don't have to ask the question. We've all heard that advice, and we've probably all tried it. And that's why I say when you're about past the age of 40... Most of us realize we can't do it. In fact, the Apostle Paul was writing the book of Romans to a church in Rome, and he gets very vulnerable in Romans chapter 7. And he says, I, I tried not to do certain sins. I tried my hardest with my flesh, he says. And I even gave myself rules and laws. I read rules that said, you mustn't be covetous or you mustn't lust. It's the same word. He said, I read the rule that said you mustn't lust. And all the rule did was it made me lust more. And so I tried harder, but the thing that I didn't want to do, I found myself doing. And the thing that I did want to do, I couldn't do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death, Paul says. I wonder if any of us can relate to that. Paul could have been saying, I tried New Year's resolutions. I tried to pray more. I tried to fast more. I tried to get up earlier. I tried to read my Bible. I tried to stop that sin. I tried to stop this good thing. And every time I tried and put more and more rules on myself, I found, let me just read to you a couple of verses. He says, I find this law at work in the members of my body. And he calls it the law of sin and death. <laughs> You know, law is like the law of gravity. It's just a thing that's there. It's a principle that applies. And he says, in his body, in his fleshly body, 
there's a thing called the law of sin and death, which means my flesh tends towards not doing the right thing. And he says, in my mind, I'm a slave to the law of God. I want to do God's will, but in my flesh, there's the law. I find this other law at work. So Romans 7 verse 15, he says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. Verse 10, And the commandment, which was supposed to bring life, I found to bring death. In other words, when he put more commandments or rules, when he read more what he should and shouldn't do, it actually made him worse. Verse 8, Sin, taking the opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. Apart from the law, sin was dead. <laughs> Has anyone ever found that? The more you focus on what you should and shouldn't do, you, the worse you get. It's a bit like children. If there's children playing in a garden, and you say to them, you can do anything you want in this garden. Eat those sweets, play on that trampoline, jump in the swimming pool, but do not spit on this flower. Within five minutes, they're all salivating over the flower. Well, I want to spit on the flower. When you say you mustn't, it produces sinful desires in you. So what's the answer? Verse 24, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, I thank God. In other words, there is hope. But then he summarizes. He says, So then, with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. And then he goes on to say in chapter 8, verse 2, he's giving us the solution now. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Do you remember we said that a law is like a, a controlling principle? And he said in his flesh there's a law of sin and death. He said in his mind he wants to serve the law of God. But now he says there's a third law. Let me read that verse to you again. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is Paul saying here? He's saying there's a third law. You see the world will say, yes your flesh wants to be lazy and fat and ugly but with your mind you can overcome it if you try hard Paul says I tried that it didn't work he says there's a third law the law of the spirit of life Wow I wonder if you're tracking with me so far let me describe it as an illustration have any of you been in an airplane and you're sitting in this massive piece of metal and plastic that weighs hundreds or thousands of tons and you're thinking to yourself how is this going to get off the ground anyone ever been there I've often been sitting in an airplane and I think the law of gravity is strong it's true it's real the law of gravity will keep this airplane on the ground how will the law of gravity overcome be overcome how will we get into the air and then the pilot in the, in the front of the plane starts to put the throttle on. He starts to make a decision based on something he's learned. Somebody has told him, if you press this button and do this and we do this. And over years of experience, he's understood, if I just get this plane moving forward, somebody clever has designed the wing of this plane in such a way that with speed and the right angle and the right flaps, and we do it correctly, there's another law. 
that will overcome the law of gravity. The law of gravity is still there, but there's a law of aerodynamic lift or lift and thrust. I don't know exactly what it's called, but there's this other law, this other principle that if we just get it right, the law of aerodynamic lift will overcome the law of gravity. Christian, the, the way that we are different from the world, the world says, yes, there's a law of sin and death in me. I, I tend towards sin and, and laziness. They'll say your mind is strong. Paul says your mind cannot do it. The thing that we have that's different is the law of the spirit of life. Paul says there's a law within you. There's a, a power, a force, an energy within you called the spirit of life, which is stronger than the law of gravity, stronger than the law of sin and death, and it'll lift you up. Wow. You mean... Christianity is not about just self-effort and rules and self-discipline and try harder next time? Is that what you're saying, Greg? Yes, that's what I'm saying. The law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Paul doesn't say that you get to a place where your flesh no longer wants to be lazy or ugly or sinful. He says that law is still there. I see this law at work in me, but I found a greater thing. Another way of saying this is if you want to be good, don't focus on the bad. Focus on something better and more beautiful that you can put your energy towards, and that's the spirit. You know, everything that the flesh tempts you towards, there's something better in the spirit. The flesh tempts you towards overeating or lust or laziness, or bitterness, or hurt, or anger, or unforgiveness, whatever it is. There's something more beautiful in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. The, the presence of God, you know, in, in the Psalms, it says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What he's saying is that I've found something more beautiful than sin, and it's in the presence of God. And so rather than saying, focus on the sin and overcome it, he says, Focus on the good things that the Lord has for you. And you'll find you don't want to do those things anymore. The law of the spirit of life lifts you above. Isn't that amazing? It truly is amazing. It truly is. Galatians 5 says, The flesh lusts against the spirit. We know that's true. But then it says, but the spirit lusts against the flesh. Did you know the spirit within you, the Holy Spirit, has the strong, forceful desire. And if you will just, like a pilot in an airplane, choose which law you're going to obey, which one you're going to focus on, it, the one will overcome the other. If the pilot says, oh, I'm not so sure about the spiritual stuff, I'm a bit scared, I think I'll just try and try and try and overcome gravity, he'll get nowhere. But if he says, I'm trusting the spiritual stuff, I'm going I'm to go for it, throttle forward, let's go into the new year, doing God's things, focusing on God, loving God, looking at the good things he's put in me, the presence of God, worshiping him, looking for what he has for me, instead of focusing on all the bad I want to get rid of, I'm focusing on all the good God has for me, I find myself soaring. Wonderful. Every now and again, though, We'd come back to earth with a bang. Isn't that true? We're soaring, and then one day something happens. A family member does something, or a boss, or we ourselves just get weak, and we come back to earth with a bang. Boom! 
And the great news is we just pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off. Paul says there is no condemnation now. We just, we move on. We say, Lord, I'm sorry. He washes us clean and we move on again without, without worrying. We just say, praise God, I'm moving upwards and onwards. The only problem is when we stay down and we say, oh, I must be, gravity must be the only reality. Then, then we've missed the boat. All right, I just want to close now with one principle that I believe the Bible has for us. Romans 11, verse 16. This is my last point. Romans 11, verse 16 says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. What is that all about? What is that all about? Have you ever heard this principle of the first fruit? It's an idea that comes from the Old Testament. God said to the Israelites when they were going into the promised land, He said, when you come into the land, take the first fruit of the land. And that's two Hebrew words put together, which means the best and the first of your fruit. That's what that word first fruit means. It's, it's two, two ideas, the best and the first of your fruit. He says, when you come into the land, get the best and the first. And it was of their crops of all their wealth, it also was the firstborn of every animal, and even the firstborn of their children, they would dedicate to the Lord. And the idea was that God in His kindness and mercy said to them, listen to this, it's an amazing principle. He says, if you will dedicate the first and the best, then the whole lot is blessed. Talk about grace. Isn't that amazing? It's similar to you saying, I'm going to play a game of football and the referee says, if you will just play your best for the first minute, then I'll let you win the whole game. It's similar to you um, starting the month off with your income and, and God saying, if you will just give the first and the best to me, I will bless all of your money. Your marriage, if you will just dedicate the first Start of your marriage to me, I will bless your whole marriage. Start of your day, if you will just dedicate the first time and energy and affection of your day to me, I will bless your whole day. First fruits, if you will just bless and dedicate the first of your year to the Lord. The best and the first. We don't give God what's left over. We don't wait and say on the 31st of December, God, it's been a hard year. Gravity has overcome aerodynamics most of the year. I've spent all my money. I've got hardly any affection left. It's been a rough year. I'm feeling beaten up. And look, God, I've got 10 quid left. Here we go. That's not the first fruits. First fruits is, God, at the beginning of this year, while I'm still getting ready to go back to work, back to school, start whatever, Lord God, I give you the best of my affection the best of my desires and hopes. I give you the first and the best of this year. My finances, my emotions, my relationships, my plans. God, I dedicate it to you. And God is so kind. He says, yes, if the first fruit is holy, I'll bless the whole year. Isn't that an amazing truth? So folks, as we go into this year, I'm excited. You know, God has plans for this year, for you and I. 
There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, which says, We are God's workmanship. And that word in the Greek is poema, which is where we get our word poem from. We are God's work of art, His poem. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Can I just challenge each one of us, including myself, instead of coming up with a list of three resolutions of things you think you should do this year, what about if we said, God, what are the good works you've prepared for me for this year? God, what have you thought of? You've prepared me as a poem, and you've prepared the good works for me to do, and when those two link together in God's presence, looking for His spiritual power instead of our own self-effort, boy, there's nothing that can stand in our way. Suddenly we find we're flying through the year, doing the things He wants us to do instead of what we thought were clever, or instead of what the world tells us to do, and doing it with His power instead of with our own power, and suddenly we just find a difference, a different year. I, I remember learning this lesson, it must have been about 10 years ago. I just suddenly said, Lord, I'm going to dedicate the first of this year, but I'm going to try and find the works that you've prepared for me to do, instead of my own ideas, and then I'm going to do it in the power of your Spirit. And I can honestly say, every year since then has got better and better and better and better. I still fall. The airplane still thuds to the ground every now and again. I still make mistakes. I listen to the wrong ideas or somebody tells me you really should do this and I listen to them instead of to what God says. But by and large, when I'm listening to what God says I must do, when I'm doing it with His Spirit, when I'm not condemning myself or trying to do it in my own strength, I fly through the year. So we're going to start off this year First fruits. It's the 3rd of January today. For most of us, the year hasn't really begun. We haven't been to work. We haven't been back to school. We've done very little. We've slept the last couple of days. Or is it just me? We can start. We can dedicate. We can say, God, here I am. Lord, you know, you know me. There's nothing I can hide from you. Lord, you know the failures. Lord, you know my hopes and dreams. Lord, you know where I've tried and failed many times. But God, just like your word says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I press on to take hold of that for which God has taken hold of me. We're going to do that today. We're going to worship a little bit more. We've got communion, which is a wonderful picture of God saying the past is washed away. You know, when I take communion... I'm not saying, God, I'm perfect. I'm saying, God, thank you that you wash me and make me clean. And if I feel guilty still after taking communion, what I'm actually saying is, God, you're a liar because your word says Jesus' blood can cleanse me fully. I take the cup. I take the bread. I say, Lord, I'm clean because of you, Lord Jesus. Not because I'm good, because of you. And now, Lord, I choose to soar by the law of the Spirit of life listening to what you've got prepared for me for this year. And Lord, I give you the first fruits of this year. That's what we're going to do. We're going to worship. We're going to take communion. There's offering buckets as well. You're free to put in a first fruits offering of money. And Lord, we just say, we just say to him, God, this is your year. 
And if there's things that you really desire, things that you've been reaching out for, pray them now. Just say, Lord, this is my hope. This is my dream. Is this what you've got planned for me? And we get our hearts united with the Lord right now. And He promises, if the first fruits is holy, I'll bless the whole thing. Amen? Let's do that together. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.